Disclaimer. This episode may contain language and adult situations that aren't appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This episode also contains spoilers for the series Tokyo Revengers and possibly other anime, film, and manga properties. Keep this in mind as you listen. And finally, opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect those of the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Um, so with that out of the way, sit back and enjoy tonight's episode, Tokyo Revengers. <laughs> Hello, fellow thugs and crooks, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dub Talk, where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about the latest and greatest in English dubs and voiceover. Um, I am your host tonight, Patrick, a.k.a. Roots. Um, joining me today is none other than Lilac. The only reason why you're in charge is because you won fucking Rochambeau, and I'm still pissed about it. Damn right. straight I did. God. And... We also have Jet. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> fight, bit, fight, bit, fight, bit. <laughs> We're going. This is sounding like a mosh pit all of a sudden. <laughs> Goddamn. Well, tonight, if you couldn't guess from us bringing on our tough selves, um,. The show we will be covering is none other than Tokyo Revengers. Last year's hit crime drama about time-traveling motorcycle punks. Shit be cray. Uh. Or as Hanma says at one point, bat shit cray cray. You bet your ass <laughs> I Um, so, I have a plot description in front of me, courtesy of Anime News Network. Watching the news, Takemichi Hanagaki learns that his girlfriend from way back in middle school, Hinata Tachibana, has died. The only girlfriend he ever had was killed by a villainous group known as the Tokyo Manji Gang. He lives in a crappy apartment with thin walls, and his six years younger boss treats him like an idiot. At the height of his rock-bottom life, he suddenly time-leaps 12 years back into his middle school days. Save Hinata and change the life he spent running away, hopeless part-timer Takemichi must aim for the top of Kanto's most sinister delinquent gang. Uh, yeah, that's quite a premise, but I, fe- but I feel like you but I feel like you made a mistake there, it's not the Tokyo Magic Gang, it's just the Tokyo Gang. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Weird censorship! I mean... This, uh, is, all, this is also known as the Tokyo Manji, Manjino gang, if I pronounce the name correct. Because boy, it's fucking uh, Mikey! Because uh, uh, Mikey comes up with lame uh, names. Uh, uh, Actually, you, got, you, you both are wrong. It's the Tokyo Ah My Eyes on Blind gang. Uh, it's, uh, it's gonna be, fu- it's gonna be, uh, man, it's, man, it's gonna be funny when they have to show how the flag got forward and he just like. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, this, the, the, if there's ever a home video release for this one, I'm curious to know what the fuck they're gonna do with it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, yes. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, Japan got an uncensored broadcast. We didn't. 
so in any case, um, since we are talking about a show about gangs, um, in order to make a dub, you kind of need a gang of people. Uh, this is our ADR crew. Um, unfortunately, due to the nature of in which Crunchyroll casts their or um, announces their casting staff, we only have one name. Uh, that is the name of our ADR director, which is David Walsh. Um, you would know him from such works as um, the ADR sequences for Power Rangers, um, the seasons Turbo through Wild Force. Mm, okay. Uh, he did work on Digimon, and a little bit of a deep cut Techno Man, which is the English language version of an anime known as Techman Blade. Ooh, that I've is a very good that. I've never heard of that one before. I don't think. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, literally the only reason I know what Techman Blade is is because I own Tatsunoko versus Capcom, which is a very criminally underrated game. Ah, uh, yeah. I, oh, I've you never lucky. Heard of I've never heard of that. I, before. I, 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 I've owned a copy of my copy of that game forever. You can't take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> Jet. Meanwhile, Jet in the corner. My precious. <laughs> but as a side note, when we talk Digimon, we're talking like the OG Digimon, correct? Um. Yes, Digital Monsters. Okay. So. Um. Which is actually kind of in. I bring that up for a very interesting point. Um. If you really stop and think about it, um, the dub for Tokyo Revengers kind of had that mid-2000s Saban feel to it. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, actually, it does. And it works very well, given the fact that time travel's involved, and most of the series takes place in 2005? 2005. Yeah. Uh, The quote-unquote present day is, like, 2017, so it's 12 years. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, there is a pretty uh, decent amount of uh, colorful, uh, colorful language in this show. Much of it actually, much of it actually, straight from cultural subtitles. In fact, which is kind of surprising. Oh, really? Yeah, I the, didn't watch the Japanese, though. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Wa- yeah, I did watch a uh, fair chunk of it in Japanese. It's not like obviously it's not a, a direct one for one, but like a surprising amount of the colorful language was actually just like in cultural subtitle track to begin with. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. I was about to say, because I really do... This is probably more on the credit of the writer, whoever our mystery writer is. I really love the slang and, like, the, like, thug gangster talk that was used in there. Like, because this is yeah. a group of fucking punks. <laughs> and the thing I like about it is it doesn't necessarily date anything. Exactly, uh, yeah, and yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, I was about to mention that. Like, yeah, the... Yeah, they use a lot of slang. Yeah, they use a lot of slang and swears, but it doesn't sound like it would belong to like any. Okay, at the very least, it's okay. It's not like super modern slang, but it's not like super old either. It's it's kind of like yeah, I can believe these teenagers could use these specific swear words in like yeah. two thousand and five. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> hits that fun little that nice little sweet spot, really. That nice little sweet spot, which makes this dub much more accessible to really like almost any generation, whether it's mid-2000s or even now, honestly. So... Yeah, uh, there is only one minor complaint I have here with the language. Mm-hmm. There were no iPhones. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for that. I mean, 
I I understand why that's a little disappointing, but I also kind of like it. Look, look, it is look, it is very it's it's similar to the whole like situation with Ryuji Persona Five. It is very like it is very clear they want the character to use the F bomb. But even like four points, we're talking Mitsu says some says how to go on the lines of like F this or whatever, but he can't say the exact word. And you so can... I just let him do it. You just let him do it, guys. What's hilarious is. You guys have heard about that video of um, panty and stocking, but it's only them saying fuck every, like, every Oh, yeah, there's fuck. also one for uh, Black Lagoon. Right. Like, you could say, <laughs> you could do something similar, and I'm wondering if that, if this exists yet or not, where every, every time in Tokyo Avenger, someone says shit. Because that is the <laughs> farthest of the hard language that we get is the word shit. And it's constant. <laughs> so it's like, come on. Come on. Just one ever. <laughs> just the one. I'm It'll be satisfying. honestly wondering if at some point before, you know, the whole Crunchyroll Funimation, like, super merger thing happened, mm-hmm. if there were, like, actual plans for this to go on, like, Adult Swim, because it certainly showed up on HBO Max. I mean, so, oh, I mean, I mean uh, there's nothing stopping that from happening anyway. About to say, there's true. no reason why it wouldn't end up on there eventually. Honestly, I that think it would have a fun true. time on Toonami. But I think um, I think the other point, though, despite all of like the all of like the hard hitting punk kind of gang kind of stuff, this show it doesn't stray away from comedy because there are some fun comedic moments in there. Most of them are a comedy of errors <laughs> nine times out of ten, which is great. Yep. I really want to. I really think it should be commended for the directing, the writing, and also the actors themselves. There, you wouldn't think that there is, but there's a lot of really hard hitting emotional moments in the show. Yeah. Um, one thing I really have to commend, particularly with the uh, with the script writing with our unknown writer, is um, this show goes through a lot of emotional whiplash. Oh yeah. Like, you have really sublime moments, uh, kind of, the rug is absolutely pulled out from under you multiple times, and, like, everybody just gets shellacked with Mm -hmm. all of this awful shit that ends up going down, and uh, one thing I absolutely have to commend is, when the show is meant to be funny... It is very snappy, very bantery, very mm-hmm. realistic to an extent. I, I don't know how, like, teenage street punks in Japan would <laughs> would treat each other, but... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, no, I was going to bring this up until now, but, like, this show is very similar to... Um, okay, this is going to be a weird cut, but this is this show is very similar to Saint Saiyan, where, like, you have to suspend your... Or like it takes a surprising amount of suspension and disbelief to be to believe these characters are like thirteen or fourteen year olds. True. Listen, you have to suspend your disbelief with disbelief with how the fucking time travel horse shit works. All right. This, okay, as, as, we already have to this, suspend okay, our disbelief as, I mean, with that. Okay, I mean, okay. Look, I'm not. Okay, look, I don't know anything about Japanese motorcycle laws, but I'm just saying I don't think fourteen year olds would be running around with motorcycles. <laughs> they weren't even fourteen. They weren't even 14! Because remember, there are flashbacks where the youngest people 
which I think is like Baji, Kazutora, and Puff. Oh, like fucking. They were like 12. 12. <laughs> I don't think that's how motorcycle law works in Japan, but it may have been mid 2000s. I don't know. Sure. Well, no, not mid 2000s, like early 2000s, really. For that case, like Jesus. Like, all right, Japan. <laughs> Shit, why anyway. are we doing that here in America? <laughs> and then when it decides to punch you in the gut, um, it feels like raw emotion. Or it. Or when it wants to, um, stab you in the back. Oh. I had to! We know I had to. Or the gut. Or... Mostly in the back. Any of the other... Or upside the head. Oh, yeah, with a metal pipe, yeah. <laughs> a few times. <laughs> poor, poor, poor Mikey. <laughs> poor Mikey and, and poor um, Baji. sometimes the emotions hit you like a semi. <laughs> or, or a train, like in um, the first episode for Takamichi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a fucking Humvee, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember what the. I don't even remember what that car was <laughs> halfway through. That fucking smushinata. <laughs> a Humvee, maybe. Okay, I, I just realized something. It was definitely a Hummer of some kind. It looks like it, yeah. What's up? I just realized something awful. Oh, no. What? Oh, boy. Does Tokyo Revengers one-up truck-coon? <laughs> In, like, more ways than one. Train-coon. Hummer-coon. <laughs> Pipe-coon, even. And he was any deadliest of all. Damn, dude. <laughs> nice coon. <laughs> oh, Lordy. But I, I think we can generally come to the consensus though that, oh yeah, actually you know what? Um, there is one complaint that I actually have. Oh, I have a complaint um, too. I'm wondering if it's the same. It's kind of a rampant problem with, particularly Studiopolis dubs, and that is the. Double and sometimes triple casting with the secondary and tertiary cast. Or in one person's case, I'm pretty positive quadruple. As, as, uh, so, yeah, I will say, yeah, I will say it is definitely not as bad as Jujutsu uh, Kaisen. It's at least oh, no. not as noticeable as it was. When it's, 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 it's good. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. At the very least, it's not like named characters who are doubled mm-hmm. up. Right. So like. Well, well, hold on. We can't even say that. Because the case, there's one case in particular. It's not Yeah, I think there's confirmed. a couple of younger versions of some characters played by actors in the main cast. And then there are, like, well, secondary also... <laughs> and walla characters also played by main cast members. Well, there's one, there's one actor who I'm pretty positive has played... Four or five roles in this, including one of the the um, Tomon captains, potentially one of the antagonists from an upcoming arc, maybe, because um, it's a leader of like a rival gang or some shit, and then at least a couple of minor characters. And this is an actor who can be very distinct. It's just enough of a difference that you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my one. 
Now, I mean, my one counterpoint is that it is early enough that that uh, it's early enough that they might get recast for one or two of those roles anyway. But I guess yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll we'll see. And I mean, yeah, yeah, because yeah, could can be kind of like on and off with that. So, like, it's not as egregious as Jujutsu Kaisen, where I think there was like two or three instances of Keith Silverstein interacting with himself as different characters. Oh yeah, that that's wait that's wait the, the the principal versus the principal and Mechabara thing is like oh yeah oh I, yeah that that's that's a bad one. Like it's not as egregious as that, but it's still noticeable enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it is es- a problem, especially with at least the actor that I'm thinking of in my head, where he potentially has to, I'm thinking, play twins, maybe? Question mark. At one point, because again, this goes back to one of the Tomon captains, and then what looks to be like the, a twin. We don't see that twin, like, we only see that twin, like, maybe for, like, a split second, but it's like, uh... <laughs> but to be yeah. fair, designs also kind of blend at times. Yeah. This one is noticeable. Yeah. Fluffy uh, hair, be either pink or blue. Yeah, uh, yeah, the one other thing I will say is that, like, why do you think that, uh, why do you think that it hit all the moments it needed to? There were, like, a few points where I thought the narrative could be, like... A little shaky every now and then, maybe like a few awkward line reads here and there. Was it like you know? As I, as I, I mean, was, I mean, was it like you know, too much or anything? But it did kind of have that weird mid two thousands quality in that sense as well. Yeah, but honestly, like, in this I'm case, willing I think to give it kind of adds a little charm to it in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, that was basically where I was going to go with it. I can I can give it a free pass mm-hmm. to an extent because specifically 2005 is a major plot point in the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and at least um, there's enough of a different different dis- difference in um distinction and some language between 2005 Japan versus the 2017 aka present in the show. So it's, yeah. it's enough of a difference to make it distinct, I guess. Um, I didn't have as much of an issue of it. I honestly liked this dub more than I thought I was going to, and the show in general. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, okay, I like it. But I'm, I think the directing is solid, minus, like, a couple of minor issues, but... Yeah, I mean, if all we have to really... Like if our only critique is like little nitpicks, mm-hmm. like you're you're doing something right. right. That's it. Uh, yeah, I will say. Yeah, I will say the dub did hold up better about like my rewatch. So like that is a plus. Same, same for me too. It held up a lot better when I rewatched it. Yeah. All right. Um, so with that, I think we're gonna go ahead and start introducing the characters. Um, I'm gonna do things a little bit differently. If you've listened to our Other World Picnic episode, or any of the, or any of the other Dub Talk Retro episodes that Noah has done, um, you might get a general sense of how I'm gonna be doing this. Um, I'm gonna introduce everybody at once, um, but we're really gonna talk about a handful of characters at a time. Okie dokie. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start with um, who we're going to be covering with um, Valhalla and Mobius. Uh, we have Nobutaka Osanai, um, formerly one of the acting leaders of the gang. He leaves after he's stabbed, but also provides critical information about Teite Kisuki, 
both in 2000, like both in sort of interrogations in 2005 and in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, they basically provide important clues that help, you know, Takamichi figure figure out a little bit more about this guy. And while we're on the subject, uh, Teiti Kisaki is a former member of Mobius, uh, more or less sort of a hidden leader within the group. And he, after Tomon wins a fight with them, he is brought into their ranks as the third division captain, basically to bolster the ranks of Tomon and foster good relations between the two gangs. As a fun side note, the only reason why Kisaki is now the third division captain is because the third division captain known as Pa got his ass arrested for stabbing Osanai. So there is a very complicated... Yep. Kisugi has a complicated plan involved here, and he's involved in that, so... And he's orchestrated all of this shit. Mm -hmm. um, not only has he orchestrated his rise within both Mobius and Tomon, um, he has also orchestrated the murder of Hinata Tachibana at least twice so far in the story. Yep, as far as we know of. Successfully, mind you. Yup, Kisaki's um, fucking rat bastard. Also, I'm, I'm just gonna throw this out because it's in my notes. Mm -hmm. Um... Even at the end of where the first season ends, I have a very strong suspicion, but can't confirm that his um, his 2017 self is actually to some degree aware that Takemichi <coughs> is able to time travel. As, as, oh, as, oh, I was literally waiting the entire I was literally waiting the entire show for the shoe to drop that oh he can time travel too. I literally thought that was going to be the cliffhanger. That's my wasn't. guess as well. Yeah, I mean, because there are like a few. I mean, because there definitely are, like, a few, well, actually not even subtle, just, like, very few, there are definitely clues scattered around that kind of makes it aware that Kizuki is at least somewhat aware of what Takamichi is doing, or is at least immediately suspicious of him. He, he yeah. at least knows that Takamichi knows something. That's yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he knows that Takamichi knows something, and he was also there during, like, a few, during a couple of key events where it would be weird for him to be there unless he was, like... Actively out of Takamichi. True. Yeah. We need more seasons. Uh, Let's go, Japan. <laughs> yeah. Um, continuing down my list, we've got Shuji Hanma, who was an enforcer for the Mobius Street Gang, later made acting leader of the Valhalla Gang, and then after the fight with the Valhalla Gang, um, he is brought into Tomon. And in 2017, Again, he's orchestrated part of... by Teita Kisaki. Right, and in 2017, he's part of the upper echelon for Tomon at that point. Yep. Uh, we have Kazutora Hanamiya. Uh, he's a founding member of Tomon and one of another character, Baji's oldest friends. Uh, he turns his back on the gang when a simple heist for a, a motorcycle turns tragic. Um, and his death is the trigger point for Hinata's second murder. Mm. Yep. And then we also have um, Atsushi Sendo, who is one of Takamichi's best friends. Um, he becomes involved with Tomon after the events Takamichi alters. Uh, and he was personally involved in the pushing Takamichi into a train. Mm -hmm. 
Like, he was the one who actually pushed him. Um, and in the second timeline, he murders Hinata by running a, um, like, a Hummer into her car. Hummer coon. <laughs> and moving on to the Tokyo Manji gang, um, we have Manjiro Sano, aka Mikey. Mikey. He's the commander of the Tokyo Manji gang. He's carefree in 2005, but he grows absolutely reckless in the first two 2017 timelines, and in the third, they bring up in the final episode, he's just flat out gone, and nobody knows where he is. Mm -hmm. Um, and Takamichi's goal in life is to rise to the ranks of leader of Tomon in order to save Mikey from himself. Yep. Uh, and then we have Kenryu Guji, a.k.a. Draken, also <sighs> a.k.a. best boy of the show. <laughs> um, he is that. Tomon's second in command and Mikey's best friend. Um, in the first timeline, his death is the trigger point for... The first set of murders with Hinata and Takenichi. Uh, we have Keisuke Baji, who is the leader of Tomon's first division, who defects for Valhalla. Um, more or less to investigate the goings-on of Teita Kisuke. Because mm -hmm. he gets the feeling something very, very sketchy is going on with that guy. Yep. But he has to keep it a secret from just about everyone. Uh, but there is someone who figures out what's going on. And that is Chifuyu Matsuno. He's Baji's second in command of Tomon's first division. Um, he's also trying to gather intel on Teifikisuki. Um, He's kind of unaware that Baji's doing his own thing. So he's trying to save Baji. So he's trying to save Baji. Baji's trying to figure out what's going on with Kisaki. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just all this big mess of misunderstanding that ultimately leads to Baji's death. Poor Baji. Alright, and next up we have uh, the Tachibanas, uh, Hinata and Naoto. Uh, Hinata is Takamichi's girlfriend in 2005, and her, her murder is basically the linchpin to get all of this time travel shenanigans started. And Naoto is sort of the trigger point for Takamichi's ability. They shake hands, Takamichi goes to the past. When he's in the past, he shakes hands with past Naoto, he goes back to the future. Um, he is a cop in 2017, and he's trying to get to the bottom of Hinata's murder and basically keep it from happening in the first place. Yep. Which is also the objective of our protagonist, Takamichi Hanagaki. A uh, 26-year-old washout who gains the ability to time travel 12 years in the past. And he joins Tomon with the intent of becoming its leader in order to save Hinata. Whew. There we go. That's a lot of people. And that's not even scratching the surface. That's at least the major characters of this season. Like, that's just the characters with enough that we can cover tonight. Oh, yeah. There's a lot so, more. Let me run down this list of actors. So are we starting with Valhalla and Mobius? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm basically going to just run all the way up. Alright. Um, Let's go. So, Atsushi Sendo is played by John Omahundro. Uh You would know him from such things as Yusuke, Tashiro, and Noblesse. Uh, 
and Danny Vasquez in the Western cartoon Bravest Warriors. Mm, okay. Kazutora Hanamiya is played by Joe Zeja, who you would know from such characters as Bumblebee in Transformers War for Cybertron, Hizamaru in Katsugeki Token Rambu, and the writer of Red in Fate Apocrypha. Uh, Shuji Hanma is played by Zeno Robinson. You would know him as Hawks from My Hero Academia, Remy from the Western cartoon Big City Greens, and Brawler and Akudama Drive. Um, Tete Kisaki, we have a feeling we know who he is, but as of right now, he is uncredited. So, unfortunately, can't name past roles because we don't know who's playing him, but he's yeah. important enough that we have to cover him. Uh, Nobutaka Osanai is played by Keiji Tang. You would know him as Archer in Fate Say Night Unlimited Blade Works and Heaven's Feel. Uh, he's Big G in the Stand By Me Doraemon films. Also the Doraemon cartoon series, but I don't know if that's streaming anymore. Uh, and Goro Yadagarasu in Lupin the Third Part 5. Uh, Chifuyu Matsuno is played by Adam MacArthur. You would know him as Yuji Tadori in Jujutsu Kaisen. Ricky and Patrick in Shadow's House. And Marco Diaz in the Western cartoon Star in the Forces of Evil. Uh, Keisuke Baji is played by Lucian Dodge. You would know him as Akaza in Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. Uh, he is Waver Velvet or Lord Elmoloy II, depending on which uh, which ones you watch. Um, in Fate Zero and the Lord Elmoloy II case files. Uh, he's also Amuro Ray in the Mobile Suit Gundam Origin reboot and also Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway. <laughs> Draken is played by Sean Chiplock. You would know him as Rivali in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Subaru Natsuki in ReZero, and Yuki Machima in Persona 5. Uh, Mikey is played by Alex Lee. You would know him from such roles as Kaiman in Doro Hidoro, Seijiro Akashi in Kuroko's Basketball, and Zenitsu Agatsuma in Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. Uh, Naoto Tachibana is played by Griffin Putao. You would know him as Lewis in Beastars. Uh, Hop in Pokemon Twilight Wings, and Natsusa Yukazi in number 24. I hope I got that name right. Um, Hinata Tachibana is Lizzie Freeman. You would know her as Trishuna in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind, Cardinal in Sword Art Online Alicization, and Kotoko, and Kotoko Iwanaga in Inspector. And finally, mainly the reason... Be reason I'm hosting this episode in the first place because I promised him I would do it. Um, <laughs> Takamichi Hanagaki is played by AJ Beckles. You would know AJ Beckles from such roles as Joko Love in the 2021 reboot of Shaman King, uh, Shiki Tadamaru in Kimono Jihen, and Musashi in the currently in production dub of Orient. Alright, so how this is going to work is I'm going to basically separate this into Mobius Valhalla, Tokyo Manji Gang, protagonists. And we're going to probably spend like a half an hour on each. Okay. Let's do it. So let us begin with Mobius and Valhalla. So that's Osanai, Kisiki, Hanma, uh, Kazutora, and Akun, correct? Yes. I, yeah. I have things kind of sectioned out, so it should be... Yeah, yeah, got... that's, that yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel like you could probably start with Osanai first. That's probably the quickest conversation. Probably. He's not in there too, too much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, it's Keiji Tang. I mean, uh, has Keiji Tang ever turned into a bad performance? Not really, no. 
No. But the thing I really <laughs> like about Osanai is KG Tang really gets the sort of the performance arc of fucking around and finding out. Yes. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I definitely do love the contrast between his younger self and his older self. Yeah, because... like not just his younger self and his older self. His younger self, his second time, his second timeline past self, and yeah. then his first timeline future we self. We have, we have essentially there are three major interactions with Osanai. There's 2017 present Osanai, at least during the first half of the show. Where um, Takamichi and Naoto are doing some investigating about the incident on um, August 3rd. Um, where Draken is murdered. And that's what happened in the first timeline. And they meet 2017 Osanai, who is this pathetic washout. Similar to Takamichi at the start of the show, essentially. And then you go back to 2005. Right before the August 3rd incident. Where you get to meet younger Osanai, who is this punk, like, cocky little shit, and it's great. And then you have, once Draken is saved in that timeline, you have, um, around the bloody Halloween incident, where Takemichi and Chifuyu are doing some investigation into Kisaki. And this is where Osanai's a bit more relaxed, he's not as much of a punk, confident self. And he's just trying to get his shit back together. Right. He's trying to, like, get himself on the right track again. Especially after all the shit he dealt with with Kisaki. Because Kisaki's a snake. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a fucking snake. But, and it's... But, yeah, I mean, also, I imagine uh, getting sad would probably, you know, make you rethink your life choices. Just a bit. I would think so. Just a bit. <clears throat> I would very much think so. I would hope so, for uh, Osanai's sake. But no, like, those are three different distinct moments in Osanai as a character. And Keiji is a Keiji 100% was able to portray each of those integral moments, not just for exposition or plot purposes, but to showcase Osanai's progression. Yeah, so, and, and the part I like about it the most is you maybe spend about... 10 minutes Mm -hmm. with each of his selves and you get that complete sort of sort of character arc with him. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that was very fascinating again. uh, God, I I really wish we had an actor to go with Tate Kisaki and I I hope this person is like listening to this episode because man... Uh, 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 yeah, I will. Yeah, uh, I will say if it is okay. I will say if it is that person, I definitely a uh, little surprised. I've not. I say I definitely never heard that actor do a villain mm-hmm. role before. I mean, yeah. I believe. Uh, okay, I've never really heard him as like protagonist, and maybe like the most antagonistic thing they've done is maybe being, being a like rival-ish character yeah. on like an enemy team or something. Yep. but not like the big bad. Yeah, because yeah. Kisaki is set up, as far as we know of, as the main villain of the entire thing. And I mean, you look at the at the final episode of the series, where he's basically, like, shooting Takamichi in the leg mm-hmm. and Chifuyu in the head. Headshot. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah, I will say... Yeah, I will say I do think he 
I don't want to say he needed time to, like, uh, get into character per se, but I will say I did think, like, he had, like, maybe a couple of, like, cheeky line reads in the beginning, maybe, like, trying to figure out exactly, I guess, like, how gruff or intimidating he needed to sound in any particular movement. Yeah. But I, th but I think, like, by the time we got to, like, the bloody Halloween battle, he had, like, a good handle on what he wanted to do, and from there was pretty solid. Yeah, because we yeah. don't even hear, we don't even hear Hisuki's talk until the second half of the show where he gets introduced as the new third division captain for Tomon. The only other time we see him is either one in pictures at Naoto's place or a brief run-in as like Takemichi and him are passing by each other. And even then Kisiki doesn't really say anything. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's his like two lackeys that say, end up saying more, but mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, I, I, yeah, there was like one brief conversation he has where I guess uh, he uh, where I guess it was like right before the present where apparently he ordered Draken to commit some kind of murder, and that was like the first time we ever heard him voiced. But that oh was yeah, until... there is that. Yeah, yeah, okay. but yeah, but, that. yeah, but otherwise that's basically until the second half. No, you're right because Kakimichi now took a. Nato finds out that Draken's on death row for some sort of murder, and they go to visit him, and we have that small flashback from Draken about him killing someone, and then um, fucking uh, Kisaki saying something to him. So yeah, I, that is the first time we hear. But like, no, we didn't. We we spent like the first half of the show not really getting anything. I think the first half more for the purposes of the show. I think is more to establish. Um, not just Takemichi's role in this, but I think to establish Mikey and Draken more than anything in the first half, which makes yeah. a lot of sense, given, like, because the relationship between Mikey and Draken is a huge thing throughout the course of the first season, so if that's not, like, given the time to establish the importance of that, it's gonna fall apart. So, it makes a lot of sense for that to be established, but no, Kisuke's a fucking snake! He's yeah, a fucking snake. I hate him, but that means he's really good. <laughs> as, 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 uh, yeah, I, yeah, I will say like something. I, I will say something. Good music, a kind of. I don't know if this makes me just something I kind of found like interesting. Isn't he like? Isn't even like necessarily the character itself, but that's kind of like. Boy, the man goes through a lot of hairstyles over the course of the show. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Like oh. Because <laughs> the supposed early Kisaki. We find out through Osanai's flashback during Chifuyu and um, Takamichi's investigation and how, like, Osanai first meets Kisuke and he looks like yeah. this super fucking nerd. <laughs> like, the just black the hair most just like. Unassuming motherfucker. Right! Just clutching his bag, just like, I can help you. Like, pushing, like, pushing his glasses up his nose, I can help you. <laughs> <laughs> to like this really fucking I don't know if the word is pimp or this like yeah 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 the next time you see him he has like the he has like this good head look oh yeah <laughs> and then like in the end of the and the uh, present day version is just like oh what up I'm a rich motherfucker gangster shit it's like oh my god Basically, Why don't you Kisiki come have a drink so with me? Oh yeah, <laughs> Kisiki tries very hard, <laughs> a little too hard. He th he's, like, he he believes himself to be hot shit. That's what this I, is. 
I love the fact that his 2017 self is basically just the smooth operator. Mm-hmm. You can tell that Kisuke has this presence and charisma about him, and that's why he's able to get where he is in, in present day. He's and, very intelligent, and he has that charisma, which and I makes think him very best, dangerous. <laughs> I think the best part about the performance is... Um, you know, like with Osanai, like, you actually get a bit of a progression with him. Because in the past, like, he is, abs you can tell he's sort of sniveling, conniving. Oh, yeah. Just a backstabber. And then you get to the last episode and the flashback mm -hmm. with Draken. Oh, yeah. And you can absolutely see, like, all of that has gotten to his head and he is just cocky as shit. Yeah, because in his mind, he has won. Because Now, if only he could do something about that Takamichi shit. Oh. <laughs> now, Kisiki's a fucking snake. I hate him, but I love him. <laughs> He's such a great villain. And, uh. like, also as sort of the, you know, pardon the pun, but the dragon of Mobius in the first arc, like, hey. Zeno as Hanma. Oh, oh boy! Like, man. Oh, boy. You want to talk about, like, absolute outward ruthlessness. I just realized uh, I kind yeah. of spit on my notes. That's not cool. Uh, uh, oh, no. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, like, yeah, so actually, so, so, so similar to these actors, this is actually kind of, like, the first time I've really heard Zeta in a villain role, like, Same. the closest. So, I mean, like, the closest thing to an antagonistic character I can think of him playing would be... No, I didn't even, well, no, Brawler and Adopted Emma Drive wouldn't even count. Brawler, Brawler's a great guy. No, Brawler's a good dude. The closest, maybe, in terms of mentality to Hanma, I might argue Vanitas a little bit on that. Okay, but yeah, but Vanitas is the hero, so. Vanitas is the hero, but, like, when you think about some of Vani, one, some of Vanitas' actions and, and the tone sometimes that Zeno takes on for the character. Again, I haven't started season two yet. But in the first season, it, it can line up a little bit with Hanma. That's like the closest you can get. But Hanma's just like way out there. <laughs> like Hanma's like leagues away. He's on the other side of the football field compared to Body Dust. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I have that comparison, yes. But Hanma's just like way on the other side of the field, <laughs> and it like works. I, I absolutely love the sinister air that just comes oh off God. of Hanma. Yep. It's so good. Like, particularly with the um, kind of start of the second timeline oh, in yeah. the future. Mm -hmm. Like, right when, um, right when Hinata is about to be murdered again. Yep, because Takemichi runs into him without knowing it. It's just like... Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. You were supposed to be elsewhere. It's just such a calm... No, it's, no, it's, yeah, calm it's, yeah, yeah, it's always just like, oh, you were supposed to be in the car. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. And then, you, and then you compare it to 2005 Hanma, who's fucking nuts. <laughs> oh, man. It's, like, very unsettling. And Zeno can be good with unsettling. Like, have you guys... Have you guys watched Bungo and Alchemist yet at all, potentially? 
I've not seen, yet, but it's I've, on my. I've seen one or two episodes, I think. So, I, this I've talked about it before with Megan when we did Bungo and Alchemist, because um, he plays Osama Dazai in that, and there's the story of um, no longer human that it, that is like a two parter uh, in the latter half of the show where Zeno gets to be like this sinister like like psychotic person it's not to that extent because that's just it's over dramatic but but it, there's purpose to that Hanma's a little bit dialed back and it's a bit more subtle but i can see yeah. that <laughs> you know and it's like holy shit <laughs> also i love i love when he says he calls Kazutora batshit cray cray because it's like motherfucker, you have no room to talk. <laughs> you have no room to and talk. And you know that, like, it also fits in terms of like mm-hmm. actual something you would actually say in like 2005. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, totally. Oh, 100. <laughs> percent Oh, yeah, but I definitely do appreciate that. It was just like overall the leader. Where's where, where, where this, where this guy where it's like, he's not just, where he knows he's not the one on top of everything, but he definitely knows how to, like, get things done, how to command his men, and he's, oh, very, yeah. Uh, yeah. he's, he's very on top of things. He also has that charisma. Not as much as Kisaki does. Because Hanma is a straight-up pawn for Kisaki. Yeah, I think one of my favorite, I think one of my favorite little bits of fame is that, like, the bloody Halloween battle is about to start, and they're, like, glowing over, like, all the turns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, ready to go. Oh, yeah. Hama's just ready to kick some shit. Kick some ass. But, um, wasn't it, uh, wasn't it Kazutora who, like, punches uh, uh, Arbiter out? Like, oh, yes, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, Kazutora. Yeah, that was Kazutora. That was Kazutora. Which, man, like, I, I've been a fan of Joe's Aegis since Fate Apocrypha, but... Yeah, okay. yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Until you like actually show me the credit list, I actually didn't know it was him. I kept thinking it was Griffin Bird because they sound very similar. Yeah, um, I, I was actually confused that. for a little bit because um, Landon McDonald is also credited as Kazutora, but I think that's his younger self. Oh, probably. Yeah, that would make sense. I, I was like, I don't like. I could pick up that was Joe right away, honestly, because I'm like. This, uh, is, uh, this uh, is just a punk version of Claude from Three Houses. That's okay, what this okay, is. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. When I saw it was Jose, I was like, it was like, okay, yeah, that definitely is him. But like, I can't think it was Griffin Birds because it's like, yeah, they have similar voices that I know Griffin Birds did like a lot of Sudiopolis stuff. And I was also pretty sure he was like Baby Draken, so I was like, okay, it's probably Griffin Birds. And I was like, oh, okay, it's not him. But no, this is <laughs> for punk Claude. <laughs> For gangster Claude, <laughs> it that's the cl- that's like that's how my brain is equating to this right now, like uh that's uh, uh, uh yeah uh, to which uh I hate Kazutora on my Kazutora. Kazutora is probably one of the most tragic characters we've seen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. On the one hand, he's on the one hand, he's a very tragic character. His whole situation mm-hmm. is pretty messed up. On the other hand, like the way he goes about it, it's just like. The way he copes with it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The, yeah the way he copes with it just makes him so extremely punchable. Oh, it is. It's like, and literally, ev- all of the bad things that happen to him, 
he also kind of brings on himself. He yes. Like he's the one who killed Mikey's brother. Right. It was a presumed act of self-defense, mm-hmm. but okay, no. It was not a presumed act of self-defense because Mikey's brother was having an interaction with Baji. Right. Because well, Atora just comes in and just whacks him on the head to def- He comes in to defend Baji, to defe- yes. To presumably defend Baji, but okay, then he realizes, oh yeah, he fucked up. Yeah. But, Which like, I guess that's more on the side of his younger self played by another actor, but still, since we're talking about the character. It's it's one of those interesting things because um, Kazutora, in terms of what we know about these characters so far, has probably the most tragic story of the cast. Because not only do we have the whole thing where he killed Mikey's brother out of a mix of accident and self-defense, um, we learn that his parents were in a very abusive relationship at a very young yeah. age. And his his mom, fucking bitch, um, had to make, made Kazutora choose like whose side he was going to be on, mom or dad. And then yeah. just everything that he was dealing with kind of just like bubbled up for him. Yeah, yeah, so now he has, like... Now he blames he, he, everything on Mikey. <laughs> it's, it, it's not even just Mikey. It's just, like, it is very clear that it's just, like, something in him is just kind of, like, broken to the point where, like, he can... Where his way to cope with things is to just blame other people. Right. He sees yeah, himself as Yeah, he has a really big, like, hero-villain complex to Oh, him. yeah. Like, that's his way of coping because he hasn't been able to, like, face what has happened to him or what he's done so in all respects he's one of the more tragic characters of this of this first season because of that um baji i would think is a close second in terms of the second half honestly but um but no like joe joe zizia is just such a fun performance it's punk claude i keep saying that but like those tragic pieces are very important because when because Kazutora stabs Baji, right? That's yep. what kicks off that next timeline anyway. But he also still stabs Baji in the 2005 Bloody Halloween incident that Takemichi's trying to prevent. Yep. And he's just sitting there as Baji is like slumped over on a bunch of fucking junkin' cars and he's just like, it's not me. It wasn't me. That uh, he's like mumbling to himself, like he's like he he's trying to figure out and process what has just happened. Because similar in a way to when he killed Mikey's brother, right? It's very similar, and you can see he's trying to process it, but in his mind, he he was he killed Baji because he was betrayed by Baji. That's what was going on in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it is that Kis- uh, Kisaki calls Hanma to let him know to get rid of Baji, basically. Hanma ta- calls Kazutora to let Kazutora know, yeah, Baji's a fucking traitor. Kazutora takes that to heart because the two of them are very close. And that's what sets Kazutora off in order to still to um, stab Baji. So, yeah. Kazutora is a very, very fragile person. And I gotta say, like, 
the definitive moment for me with him is like at the very end i think it's like episode 22 when um takamichi and draken are talking to him in prison yes he, uh yeah when he yeah when he like finally yeah when he's finally realized like oh yeah. i am responsible for all this he's finally taking he's finally taking accountability for his actions which unfortunately he takes at first a little too far where he's just like yeah i will take responsibility for all of this oh, and then Drakken immediately calls him the fuck out on that because he yeah. knows what's gonna happen and I think, again, that goes back to one of the points where I think Kazutora is probably one of the more tragic characters we we meet in this show so far. Because he's dealing with a lot of shit and he's finally coming to terms with what he's done and being accountable for his actions instead of blaming others. Right. And it's it's that moment of, that whole scene you're talking about, it's that moment of clarity where Draken passes on a message from Mikey to Kazatora, where Mikey's like, you're always a part of Tomon, and I forgive you. And it's that moment of forgiveness that I think really hits very hard for Kazatora, and it's that realization and that clarity for the first time that he realizes that he can be forgiven for what he's done. And yeah. I think it's very impactful of a moment. That that bloody Halloween arc is just such a roller coaster of emotions. It's not even funny. Oh, man. <laughs> that was, like, I basically got through bloody Halloween in, like, a sitting and a half. I basically did, too, because I marathoned the majority of it last night. It was that intense. Oh, yeah. Mm. And, like, speaking of kind of intense moments of the show, like, we've also got a name I've... M- really never heard of in the context of anime uh john omahundro as um atsushi akun yep and just like i love how you know like osanai he gets this sort of three segmented arc yeah where he's he's just like just just a middle school punk and then, like, he's just absolutely hollow in 2017. Well, remember, we have the two different ver- two different versions of 2017. First Akuna. timeline. Yeah, first timeline. Yeah, he's very hollow. He had moved up pretty high in the ranks of Tomon by that point. And by, that by the time um, Takamichi and Naoto come to see him to ask, questions and try and get in touch with Mikey. This is before... Yeah, this is before I think he even met Mikey. Um, Takamichi. I think this is before he met Mikey for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Akun takes his own life by jumping off of a building because of all the things he's done and so much pain he has caused. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. Uh, oh, wait. Actually, he had met Mikey by that point, but only, like, maybe the one time. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, And, yeah. like, like, the whole thing of that is also just, um, like, the whole, the whole reveal that, oh, yeah, I, the whole, you know, I was the one who pushed you in front of the train thing. Yeah on the roof when he where he finally that. admits oh, it and yeah. he's on the roof and mm-hmm. he's like on the ledge and he's just like begging Takamichi <laughs> to save him because he's basically figured out 
that Takamichi can travel through time. Yeah, Akun is probably the only other character who has even the shred of realization. It's... it's it, he... Okay, 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 you say that, but uh, when specifically right as Alcoon fell off, guess who was there? Yeah, we very, yeah, we very specifically, yeah, we very specifically see Kizuki. We very specifically see Kizuki watching the whole thing. Oh, which right. again, why would he be watching that if he didn't have some inkling of who Takamichi was? Oh, I forgot about that part. You right. Man. Motherfucker, if Kisuke can fucking time right travel. It's all just right there in front of you. If he can fucking time travel, I fucking hate Kisuke even more now. Fuck you. I all mean, right. it also <laughs> helps to explain how he can weasel his way through, like, through Takamichi's interventions to basically reach the same end. Right. You right. Motherfucker. Anyway. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Going back to Akun. <laughs> yeah, and then there's, the like, the third time you see him, which is, like, the second 2017 timeline. Mm -hmm. He finally makes it as a hairdresser, but he still can't escape Tomon. Right. Because in this time, this version of 2017, um, Akun has a wife and a child, and it is presumed, according to Naoto in the investigation that he was doing, that his wife and child disappeared, presumably... Kisuke kidnapped them and forced Akun's hand in order to use him to ki the to kill Takamichi, but inadvertently only kills Hinata. Right. So it's oh, I fucking hate Kisuke, motherfucker. <laughs> He's so fungible. <laughs> I want to kick his ass for hurting these boys. God damn. They're all good boys, except for Kisuke. Fuck Kisuke. <laughs> Fuck Kisuke. Anyway, no, I'm... I had never heard of... Heard John before until this show. And... It makes sense. He doesn't exactly have a lot of credits under his belt currently. So... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I will say is that I did like his performance as, like, the younger version a lot. I didn't think he sounded like maybe a little... Cheeky playing uh, older Akun. Which is also understandable given, you know. Yeah. I think the post-August 3rd, 2017 version of Akun where he is the hairdresser, I think that was fine. Is it, yeah. But yeah, I, I think the yeah, one think on the roof was, was a little... Yeah, yeah, I did think specifically the scene on the roof is yeah. like, a little shakier than I would have liked. A little bit. I think part of it might have to do a little bit with some with how the character design turned out for Akun as well. Um, so it, it's not as it doesn't seem as like an internal conflict or like pain or exhaustion as like the Akun in that version comes off a little bit to me. So yeah. I think that might be some of the issue is with the character design and the assumption there. But I think the second time we have 2017 Aku, and I think it works nicely, honestly. Um, it works a lot better in that version compared to the one on the roof. Um, but I was surprised by um, by John. I, I, I Aside from, I think, a little bit of... A um, little bit of rough start growing pains at the start of the show, I think it turned out rather well. Because the first 2017 Akun version, I think, was only, what, episode four? 
maybe? Yeah, four or five, like it somewhere right early. before the half of the halfway point of the core. Yeah, it was rather early on. So aside from that, I think it worked out very well. He really got acclimated into it a lot more. Um, but yeah, I think the roughest was probably that roof scene um, in 2017 with the first version of present day Akun. Yeah. Um, but I think that has more to do with the character design and how the progression of Akun was and maybe not knowing what happened to him either. It's hard to say. Yeah. I still liked it though. Oh, absolutely. Like this, this group, like basically the sort of quote unquote antagonists, like, they did their job really well. I like how Akun's the antagonist, but only because he—he's the reason why Hinata's killed. Pretty much. <laughs> Otherwise, than that, Akun's a very good boy. He's just stuck with shit circumstances because fuck Kisuke. Yeah. All right, and um, moving on to the the Tokyo Manji gang, I'm kind of gonna lump Baji and Chifuyu into like one little conversation point um because they are both sort of the driving force of the bloody halloween arc yeah they are i um, hate that these four are together because these four are my favorite boys <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i i told the two of you this earlier but for the folks at home before recording this i was having dinner <coughs> and andrew looks at me he's like i haven't watched tokyo avengers it is on my list of things to watch at some point did you end up with a favorite boy? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> because I was like, I would tell you that it's either Mikey or Drakken. However, on this rewatch, I was reminded about Bachi and Chifuyu, and I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> the thing I really liked about these two, um, first of all, Chifuyu, Adam MacArthur is like, undying loyalty not to the gang not to Tomon to Baji it is to Baji it is to yep. Baji he does not care about anything else <laughs> it is to Baji like, and then subsequently to Takamichi but at Baji's request <laughs> like he is his objective is basically to bring Baji back and yeah like, I, I really like the first part of the Bloody Halloween arc where it's just, like, where Takamichi is basically trying to get, like, trying to get Mikey to, like, not kill Baji, like, outright. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really did like Adam's performance. Like, I mentioned it with due to, due to Kaisen, but, like, the thing I really do decide to like about is, like, the general tone of a lot of his performances that he just kind of just very kind of down-to-earth quality that kind of comes through in a lot of his work. Yeah. yeah, and, which I, is a, and I think that really works well here. Which is really funny, considering who he plays in Shadow's House. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, the absolutely over-the-top Ricky and Patrick. It, it's not it, as over-the-top as Sean and John. I.e. John, but you know. Right. <laughs> Points to stance. Um, no, I really, I really love... I really loved Adam as Chifuyu, because he has, Chifuyu does have that down-to-earth nature, but it, it's also, he's also very good at hiding his emotions for the most part. Um, when it, yes. only, only when it comes to Baji, 
does he let those emotions come through right and he has these little little fun subtleties to Chifuyu's character that I just find so enjoyable and then when you think about the dynamic between Baji and Chifuyu Chifuyu helps Baji is the heart Chifuyu is the brains if that makes sense it does because the reason why um, Tomon was found in the first place was because of Baji's idea it was Baji's idea to start it in the first place and he became this, like, the heart of Tomon, um, in, in essence of that. And Chifuyu kind of counteracts Baji's, like, strong passion and heart, along with the stupid brawn gorilla-ness that, that Baji will have sometimes, with this more down-to-earth-centered kind of person. And he can read Baji so well, because he's known Baji for a pretty long time. Yeah. So it's, which gives Chifuyu and Adam's portrayal a much more mature tone to him at times. He can be cocky as shit when we have that flashback of how Chifuyu first meets Pachi, which that whole bit voice, is great. <laughs> and his voice does still have sort of that childlike tone to it. Yeah. That sort of plays into the emotional maturity of the, the character really well. Yeah. Because in that flashback, Chifuyu is essentially the big shit on campus <laughs> for, um, what is he, a first year at that point? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> He's just this big shot, cocky little shit, <laughs> to which his first interaction with Baji, with Baji in the classroom, and Baji looks like a fucking nerd. With the hair and the ponytail, like, normal, but, like, the fucking nerd glasses and trying to do homework. <laughs> He's just trying to get his shit together. He's trying to get his shit together. alone. He was, okay, okay, it's yeah, so yeah, cute. Yeah, <laughs> okay, no, I think it was, like, very specifically, he was, like, he promises Bob he would get through school. Yeah, because he was held <laughs> back. Baji was held back and is a first year again. And he's, like, if I don't do well this time. It'll break mom's heart. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> but no, it's... Chifuyu has a lot of respect for Baji, and that really does come through in Adam's character. Because he... he it comes through because he knows Baji so well. He's very mature, and he, counter, and he has, like, a fun... A really good counterbalance to Baji's personality. And he, you can see the respect that Chifuyu has. To the point where... Baji's death like really crushes him to the to the point yeah. where to the point where at the end of the first season all he's been wanting this entire time was revenge against Kisaki. Yes. Because of Baji. And then coming back into the final episode in modern day where he's basically like Takamichi's second in command and yep. they both get taken to Kisaki's tower for a drink and whew. oh yeah um to which like we've been talking a lot about Chifuyu um let's get a little bit into Baji oh Baji this oh, <laughs> poor poor man this poor child oh Baji the sweetest thing but the biggest like gorilla dumbass like, Okay, he's maybe a not as big much old as puppy, but puppies he bite. He's a yep. yep. 
he 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 has the bite to march to match that bark. That's for sure. Yeah, so I will say that this role definitely reminded me a lot of uh, the character Lucian played in um, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, whose name escapes me, but that character was basically just like a giant jock. Yeah, I know I who you're talking about. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> See, I can't, I can't get Felix from Three Houses out of my head. <laughs> I'm in the Three Houses camp, and it's like, this is just punk gangster Felix. <laughs> my boy Felix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but yeah, it does. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of that. Reminds me a lot of that character, but uh, not quite as jockey, and I guess a little more gruff. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, to which I wasn't sure how that. To which I mean, it's not the first time I've heard Lucian use that tone of voice, but I wasn't sure exactly how well it was going to work across like a bunch of episodes. But like, the performance worked really well. Like, I'm going to be real. It. Like, Lucian's Baji was probably one of the more consistently yeah. spot-on performances of the show. Oh, yeah, it was, huh. it was fantastic. Huh, okay. I would argue one of the other two we're going to talk about shortly, but in terms of... Oh, sure. I, I, I mean, I mean, it is absolutely. at least... I mean, it is at least up there with, like, the ones we were about to mention. Oh, yeah. It, okay, yeah. 100% is absolutely up there um and i think lucian despite baji really having a major role in the bloody halloween arc it is a very impactful and lasting one like baji mm -hmm. has a presence in this show and it stays and lucian carries that because that is a huge impact i <laughs> fucking cried when he died i'm gonna i will say it i cried yeah. Is it, yeah, yeah, and I know that there's a lot to say about, like, you know, the current Baji, but I just want to say that, like, Lucian's, for, Lucian's delivery as young Baji was also really good, specifically yeah. during the scene where, like, they scene in the bike shop where everything goes wrong, and oh, he's like, yeah. has to freak out about it. Oh, has yeah. Has to freak out about all of it. Oh, yeah. Again, Baji, because the background for... Baji, aside from him being the reason why Toman exists in the first place, he's um he's next door neighbors with Mikey, I believe, right? Either yeah. next door together. or like they grew up together. Close. I think they've said it was next Same door, building. but they grew up together. Um. So Baji has known Mikey forever, 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 probably even longer than Draken has, and <laughs> so. It's to the point where, for in terms of Mikey, um, he if like if Baji or Draken were to die, Mikey would fucking lose his shit, <laughs> and he does yeah. with when Baji ends up dead because he goes I mean, after Kazutora. <laughs> when, when both Baji and Draken die at one point or another. Correct, you're right. Considering original timeline, Draken does die. Um, that, that is a point to be made there. But no, it's... <sighs> With the backstory of Baji being the reason why Tomon's created and essentially being its heart and its, like, core, even more so of its core and heart than Mikey is, and Mikey's the commander of the damn thing. Mm-hmm. You can feel that impact and how much that 
like Baji means to all of them, especially the original, the six founding members, that being Mikey, Draken, Baji, Kazutora, Pa, and uh, Mitsuya. Yeah. Like, he, Baji has an impact on them. To which, man, um, like, the definitive scene I was going to bring up is the very beginning of the Bloody Halloween arc, um, with the Tomon meeting, where they introduce Kisaki. Oh, and fucking Takamichi decides to punch Kisaki and to save Takamichi's yeah. ass! Baji just comes Baji in. Baji just goes in and beats yep. the living tar out of him. Oh yeah, because mm. Takemichi would have been fucking screwed if he didn't. Where he also quote-unquote defects. And that's, mm. like, that's... Yep. It yeah, took... that's a good introduction. Oh yeah. Yeah, it it took, like, re-watching that scene after I had finished where I realized, oh yeah, like... You can kind of tell that Lucian Dodge is, like, acting. As in, like, he is currently playing a character who is acting. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a role within a role. And it's mm, so good. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't pick it up on your first watch, and I certainly didn't. Um, until, obviously... Takamichi's interactions with Chief Yu, or Chief Yu's just like, no, I'm positive he's being a spy in Valhalla. Like, I'm positive. And it's like, on the rewatch, you can get that sense. At the, at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, your impression of Baji, because you only only see Baji one other time, and that is on August 3rd. They're in the fight that um, originally kills Draken. When all of Tomon come in, you get introduced really to, like, the captains for the first time, including Baji. And Baji's like, fuck, let's go, man. <laughs> hair, in, hair in the ponytail, let's fucking go, I'm at it. Like, so you don't really have the sense at that time what Baji actually really means to Tomon. And yeah. not only as a entity and an identity for Tomon, but as... In a way, a symbolic. He's kind of symbolic for Tomon. Mm -hmm. and I just love Lucian's portrayal. Again, bitch made me cry <laughs> when he died. I was like, no! Yeah, that was... That's gonna stick with me for a bit. Oh, man. That was the only time I think in the show that I actually cried. And again, I watched Tina to fucking die in a goddamn car crash and a car explosion. Like, Baji hit really hard, man. Yeah. Especially once you know, like, what he, like, symbolically what he means to Tomon, really. So. It hurt. It hurt yep. bad. Alright, and honestly, I think I'm gonna lump together my thoughts on uh, Mikey and Draken. Okay. Um, because they are... The two characters are so intertwined with one another mm -hmm. that um, I really enjoyed Alex Lee's sort of... He gets to do both the Zenitsu, like, sort of high-pitched, childlike voice, and then he gets to go into beast mode, and it's... Like, the contrast is so good. <laughs> Mikey's beast mode is just fucking intense and scary <laughs> and it's like 
And honestly, Sean Chiplock is the exact opposite. Like, yeah. his performance is mainly just this really intimidating beast. Mm -hmm. But in the end, like, he cares about everybody around him. He is the big brother. He's seen, I think the specific line is he is the big brother. I think it's, oh, Baji actually says it. In that flashback where they're at the shrine and the they come up with the idea of creating Tomon, um, Baji mentions, like, our vice commander will be our big brother, Drakken. So he's the big brother of the group. Pretty mm -hmm. much, yeah. Yeah, between Mikey and Drakken, like, they are inseparable and for a reason. I think I mentioned this earlier where, like, Mikey has the presence and the leadership and all that fun stuff, but he, I mean, he's nicknamed the Invincible Mikey. That's the what he's referred to as throughout the course of the show. But Draken is Mikey's heart and his yeah. moral code. Hence why Draken, in the first half of the show, Draken's death in the original timeline has a huge negative impact on Mikey. Yep. And it it it, it it's Draken's death that causes Mikey to spiral down like spiral down. So And then conversely, um you know, Baji and uh Kazutora's deaths in the second timeline mm -hmm. of like not only kind of drag Mikey into this sort of dark state, but Draken as well. Yeah. Because I mean yeah. Draken is it like in the 2017 timeline is absolutely willing to kill people. Yeah, 100 percent. Because at that point, and Draken actually makes a point in saying this to Takamichi while he's on death row, that he wishes that he had realized back then. I think the wording was the heavy cross that Mikey was bearing as a 15 year old right. kid so I think even at that point this, even though Draken is this moral this moral grounding for Mikey and essentially Mikey's heart even Draken couldn't predict like the impact something like Kazutora killing Baji would have because, of course, this is going to affect Draken as well. Because... Yeah. Yeah. The four of them, like, started Tomon together along with Pa and Mitsuya. It's... Like, it's hard to really... I'm kind of glad we're talking about the two of them together because it's really hard to separate the two of them. Exactly. Because you can't really have one without the other. It's the whole argument of fucking... <laughs> it's the argument like, of Akudama Drive with Brawler and Hoodlum. You can't separate the two. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, like, they kind of epitomize the idea of, like, platonic soulmates. Yeah, they really do. Like, they, they balance each other out so well, because Mikey does come off as this, like, this mature leader type person, but Mikey has moments where he's very childish. Yes. <laughs> very childish. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, like, we could get his kids, we Yeah, the, flat, <laughs> the 
had one of the little yeah. flags ready to go. That was great. Fucking t- yeah, 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 it is definitely not the first time they had that conversation. Oh, no, it's not. And then fucking... Because, for a little bit of context, so... Takimichi decides to be Draken's secret bodyguard to prevent Draken from dying, or either also to prevent a argument between Mikey and Draken, because at that point, I guess, in the original timeline, like, Tomon was kind of split between the Mikey and the Draken factions. And, like, he's just following them around, and they're just, like... After the whole flag with the kids meal thing, shortly after that, he's still in the restaurant and, and Draken's just getting pissed at Mikey for something and Takamichi's like, oh no, are they gonna fight? And all it is just <laughs> Mikey napping in the booth and Draken's like, are you fucking kidding me? Again? <laughs> like, like, again. It's those moments where like... Those moments of levity are fucking fantastic. And it just absolutely belies the fact that, like, the both of them could absolutely kick your shit in, like, two ways to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, I think it... <laughs> Sorry, go Like, ahead. the duality for both of those characters, yeah. it just... I love it so much. Yeah. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, they have a really good dynamic. I think another funny moment for, um... Alex and Sean as Mikey and Draken is I believe this is after it's after the August 3rd yeah it's after the August 3rd incident Takemichi goes back to the future or present excuse me to see what had happened and he then he returns back to the past because he finds out shit this is still happening and he arrives in the past in a fucking bathhouse <laughs> With Mikey and Draken. <laughs> fucking. And Mikey and Draken are just poking fun at each other because you have Draken over here by the sinks with a goddamn shower cap on, <laughs> shampooing his hair. And Mikey's giving him shit because he's like, oh, the little baby doesn't want to get soap in his eyes. <laughs> and they're just. And then they, then they fight, and then the, like, the shampoo cap ends up on Takamichi's hair. It's great. It's fucking great. Yeah, I, I think another fun bit is just kind of like when they're like first introduced and like they are, like, and they just kind of like suddenly decide to break into Takamichi school. Yeah, <laughs> and then it, like and then it, they like beat them over in the hallway and then just have the lineups and like he can just step on top of them. Yeah, because <laughs> because when you're first introduced to the two of them in 2005, they are seen as this very intimidating presence, but like the more. Takimichi gets to know them and spend time with them, us in turn as the viewer, we realize these two actually mean very well. They're both like, idiots at times, but they mean very well. And there's They're like, legit how... good beans. Right! Like, it's these are all good boys with the exception of fucking Kisuke, but we already talked about Kisuke. It's just like... And we believe... Takemichi, when he says to Naoto, I can't see why that like Mikey would turn out this way. Yeah. I don't see Mikey doing this. And he's desperate, especially in that first half, to save Draken. Because again, Draken is Mikey's heart. And the second that Draken is dead, there's that downward spiral for Mikey. 
Ugh. Yep. And both, I think both Sean and Alex play off of each other so well, and they complement each other so well, both with their tone, both with the with the, with the tone, with the personality, with um, the context and the backgrounds for these two characters. Like, this is like, you can't, again, you can't separate them. You really can't. Which is probably why when it came to Viewer's Choice nominations, it was kind of difficult to figure out which one to put up there. At least for me. Yeah. Because it was either going to be Alex or Sean as the person who represented Tokyo Revengers for that Viewer's Choice vote. Yeah, 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 I will say the one, like, I will say the one, I guess it's not like a serious complaint, it's kind of like one little... I guess, like, maybe minor gripe, is that, like, uh, I can't, I mean, like, you can kind of forgive it with Draken because, like, his character design is kind of, like, meant to look that way. Yeah. But Mikey does not sound like a 15-year-old. Yeah. You can kind of, yeah, you can argue that a little bit. I, I, it's, I'd be curious to know if it's one of the situations with, because we don't know Mikey's, like, upbringing at all. We know very, very little. We know he grew, as far as we know, we know he grew up and was childhood friends with Baji. We know about the death of his older brother at the hands of Kazatora. We know about his half-sister, Emma, which we don't even find out until, like, episode 23. So I'm wondering if part of what makes Mikey Mikey could be potentially his upbringing and his past. That makes yeah. him more mature than he actually should be for a fifteen-year-old. Uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh no, no. Uh, quick shout out to uh, Casey Modulo for playing uh, young Mikey. Ooh, yes, yes, <laughs> love it. And then, oh, was Sean also young Draken? I can't remember. Now I now I don't know if they were credited. Like it sounded like Griffin Bird to me, but I'm absolutely not sure if. It's possible, but at the same time, we've also heard Sean and fucking Osamatsu, so anything's fucking. Listen, okay, 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 I, okay. I know, like, I know it wasn't Sean. Like, I know it wasn't. I know it was someone else. It wasn't Sean. Okay. I just thought we just don't know who it is. Was. Yeah. But no, as far yeah, as I could see, I, I didn't see like uh, a credit for Young Draken. So yeah, kudos to Casey though. Because that would, <laughs> Babby Mikey is very. <laughs> Babby, even for like little Mikey, when Draken yeah. first meets him, Mikey has this presence of like being more mature for his age than he actually is. So I kind of, like, again, that kind of brings me back to the point of like, I wonder what Mikey's actual past and history is like. You know what I mean? And I'm wondering yeah. if that has something to do with his much more mature for his age kind of persona. But again, he has his childish moments. Yeah. <laughs> I want my flag in my kids' mail, damn it! <laughs> I love it. Ugh. It's a, it's it's fun. I, these two are probably, in terms of the entire show, are probably some of my favorite performances. And you can't separate... It's hard to separate one from the other, personally. Yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. All right. Um, I think we can move on to our protagonist from here. And, um... Like, I'm going to be honest, there's not too, too much to say about Griffin Butao as Naoto. Yeah, like, there's not a ton. It's, 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 a, oh. it's a fine performance. Admittedly, he does sound like a little 
awkward as Baby Naruto, but thankfully it's not. Thankfully he's not doing it too too much, so it's not like super distracting. Yeah, but, you you don't yeah. have you don't have many instances where Baby Naruto is there. I think the most we get is the first episode after Takamichi defends him against some punks and he's talking to him. But even then, that's mostly Takamichi talking and monologuing. And then I think um, episode 23, when um, we have the comedy of errors known as yeah. Mikey and Emma on a date. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. In air quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, young Naruto is like an okay bean. I mean, adult Naruto is, I mean, he's a cop. That's pretty self-explanatory. Adult yeah. Naruto is okay, very okay. mature. Uh, yeah, he's mature, but also, like, he's a cop. I mean, like, literally the very first thing he says when, like, Takamichi comes back from the past for a time, he's like, wait, why did you just kill Mikey? He's like, oh, you cop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... I will say, though, I think... Another point, and this actually pertains to Griffin Blatu, um, I think another point that kind of hits pretty hard is there's two different parts, and it's it's d- after the Battle of August 3rd and Takemichi returns to present day 2017, um, where Hinata is alive at this point. And one, I find it hilarious that when Takamichi and Hinata see each other again for the first time, they're awkward as shit. And meanwhile, you have fucking Naoto like, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? It was great. but I Just think, get in the car, I'll take you somewhere. Get in the car, you fucking <laughs> children. <laughs> but I think, emotionally, I think the other part of the show that does hit pretty hard, it didn't make me cry, but it, I, I almost it could potentially have gone there if it really wanted to. Was Hinata's funeral, yes. where you have Takimichi paying his respects to Hinata and the family, but he's taking his time and he's just sitting there for a long period of time. And Naoto's just sitting there on the sidelines watching him, realizing what's going on, and he out of nowhere breaks down. Yeah. And it's just inconsolable. And it really hits hard. It, does hit, it doesn't hit as hard as Baji's death um, for me. But like you can feel that pain for Naoto because he does love his sister. And, and it's it, like, we did all we could. Why is this still happening? There we go. I was going to bring that up. Because it, right. like, it's not just the fact that he's mourning. It's the fact that... Mm-hmm. like. He's doing everything he can to stop this, and he still failed. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Griffith Glipper was really good there. Oh, yeah, that was a really poignant scene for um, Naoto's character, 100%. Also, (laughs) can I also just say that early on in the show, (laughs) the fucking, fucking, the weird deus ex machina plot shenanigans that is... Naoto, how come you, like, what? why can't I tell Hinata about this? Yet you believe me, and he's like, I was in the occult back then. That was so stupid. (laughs) I was in the occult back then. Of course I'm going to believe you. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, to which, which, I guess it was, I I know, I guess it was the opera trying to hand wave things, and that was so honestly pretty stupid. That was, (laughs) that is a very stupid plot point. It works. But it's very stupid. It works because it was dumb. It works because it was so dumb. 
But uh, considering, you know, Mikey having his suspicions, and now we're speculating Kisaki's involvement in shit. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, don't, don't say, sh don't tell her, you fucking idiot, she's not gonna believe you, then why'd you believe me? Because I was in the league cult when I was a kid, dumbass. Yeah. Like, okay, that's so, it's stupid, but hey, it, it explains it, they never bring it back up again. <laughs> So, it's a one-and-done thing. It's very dumb, but it works out. Yeah. And I gotta say, um... Like, I'm not very familiar with Lizzie Freeman. Um, I oh, still have not Lizzie. gotten to Golden Wind yet. Oh, boy! Yeah, you said Fantasy Island's a pretty fun time. But, you know, before we even talk about Hinata, uh, -huh. uh, I gotta ask, uh, have either of you seen Erased? Not yet. Yes. Yes, I have. Oh, so, okay, Steph, then you would get this. Okay. Okay, uh, so Hina to me, as a character, feels like the author of Tokyo Avengers, I guess, like, read the original manga for a race and got very mad that, and got very mad that Kayo didn't wait for Satoru. Oh. And that's what, and that's what Hina is as a character. Oof. Oh, no! <laughs> you, fuck you, but you're I right. know exactly what you're talking about and just, oof. Oh man, fuck you! But you're probably right. Yeah, Okay, look. I mean, Tokyo Revengers is a fun show. I mean, like Tokyo Revengers is a fun show. It's also like, don't think too deeply about like you know. No, yeah. yeah yes. It's just like don't think too deeply about like twenty-six-year-old Hanabiji trying to like court his younger version of his ass girlfriend oh, like yeah just don't think too hard i was about gonna that. bring yeah, that like, up in final thoughts but yes <laughs> like don't think too hard about it because tokyo avengers has stupid moments and it's just fucking great compared yeah, yeah, to a I, race I, that takes itself so goddamn seriously yeah okay yeah okay i mean to be okay i mean like i mean look i want to give the offer some benefit of the doubt but at the same time like this was a weekly show magazine this is the same magazine that ran like the seven deadly sins with like the whole like Melodious Elizabeth for romance we don't talk about, and you oh, know, oh, and you know, also like everything Mashima's written. So like, ah! you, <laughs> oh boy, so does raise so does raise like a slight eyebrow, but like at least what we've seen so far, it doesn't feel like too sketchy. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so getting back on to getting back on to like on topic, um. <laughs> Listen, like, derailing is normal here. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I know. Look, it was going to come up at some point. It's like literally the premise of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had to get the band-aid off at some point. Um, <laughs> but we are actually doing like halfway decent with time. So. Oh, no, we are. So we do have plenty of time for segues. Any, but <laughs> we do have to eventually get back on the rails. Yeah. Um, but coming back around to Lizzie Freeman, um, I'm not very familiar with her work at the moment, but, like, she did a really good job with sort of the, um, like, the bubblegum sweetness of yeah. 2005 Hinata. I love her. She's cute. Well, at the same time, kind of maintaining a bit of a level of maturity for the 2017 self. Mm -hmm. And, God, if the... Episode 13... Like, like, where she's killed the second time. Oh, boy. Like, the whole thing with her in the car, she's got, like, card things all over her gut, keeping her from being able to get out of the car. 
And she's just like, yeah, go Lucky on without Michi, me, Takamichi. I can't feel my legs anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Liz, yeah, Lizzie's delivery there was really good. Yeah. I also will say that while, like, you know, the... I will say that, like, while in general the whole idea that, like, she was still theoretically pining for him that whole time felt a little like, okay, yeah, this is kind of, like, weird, which obviously was fulfillment. Yeah. I will say that, like, leading up to that, I thought, like, the whole team where they're, like, in the car and they, like, don't know how to act around each other, I thought that Lizzie's delivery there was really good. No, yeah, like, this little awkward, like, I haven't seen you in 12 years and you come out of the blue, like, it's, it's very interesting. And it makes me really interested in what is supposed to happen on Christmas Eve 2005. Yeah, and what's alluded to that. Mm -hmm. Which is the... Which is supposed to be the central focus point of the recently announced second season. So we are getting more of this. Good. Because I want to know. Because originally, in the original timeline, if if Takemichi never went back in time and things didn't change... Um, Hinata, from our understanding, Hinata breaks up with Takamichi. However, now that he's made some changes in the timeline, it's implied that Takamichi this time broke up with Hinata on Christmas. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and I know you said, like, the whole pining away for him may have been a little bit like a wish fulfillment odd thing. When you... I, I agree with you, but at the same time, when you think about Takamichi and um, Hinata's relationship, primarily with the Takamichi that ends up traveling back in time, you can kind of see a little bit Hinata like really kind of falling for Takamichi more and more, because she blatantly has stated several times. Like how much more mature he can be at times, and it's uh, very uh, alluded uh, that he she really likes that side of him. Uh, so, okay, I like like uh, like okay, I don't doubt that. It's just kind of like look, I mean, like in I mean, like look, even I mean, like look, even my single uh, no, like like no one's going to spend like twelve years fighting for one person. That just doesn't happen ever. You're also correct on that one, but <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would. Here's I would my, say that's probably kind of rare. It's very rare, but I think at the same time, I don't think we have all the pieces to the puzzle yet. Yeah, yeah. With their okay, relationship. Uh, okay, okay. Like the one piece of the puzzle, I feel like that could maybe handle this. Is that like okay? Like we know they broke up on Christmas. We don't know that necessarily that it is two thousand five. That maybe is also happened. true. Maybe it happened like much later. In which case, okay, yeah. Then maybe, in which case that wouldn't. Maybe they. In which case, it is much easier to handle. I was like, maybe they were finishing middle school. Maybe they were in high school. Yeah, we don't know. We know the day. We don't know the year. So yeah, you're right. It could be true. Uh, could be later on in the future. Um, we don't have those details. As my cat comes to me, um, but no. Oh my god, what bud? Can you hear him? <laughs> he no, whining. I. He's whining. Come on, bud. But um. In terms of Lizzie, I know I've heard her in a few more things compared to Patrick, because aside from Golden Wind, that's the obvious one. Um, but I've heard her in Cells at Work Code Black, where she plays one of the little platelets in that, and she's very cute and adorable. So, uh, and then there's also, what have I seen her in? Ba 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 ba. There was another one. Uh, 
not Seven Deadly Sins. It was Tonikawa, where she plays one of the secondary characters, Tonikawa Over the Moon for you. Um, okay. She's one of the she's one of the family members who runs a um, like a public bath, and she knows she and her sister know the main male character, aka that's Kyle McCarley, I believe. Zach Aguilar. Zach Aguilar, thank you for coming out and saying hello. Hi. <laughs> thank you Cameo. for that. Cameo! Cameo! But, um, no. So I've heard Lizzie a couple of times with, like, fun cutesy roles a little bit. Um, Trish in Golden Wind is probably the most mature sounding that I've heard so far. I don't even, I can't even remember the Cardinal analysisation. Barely. So yeah, like yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, the stuff I really know her for is this uh, Golden Wind and the like second episode of the Inspector that I watched. Yeah. <laughs> so she's she's still up and coming. Like she doesn't. And I, and I, I, mean, I mean, I would, I mean, I would say that she's done. Uh, she's done like a fairly decent amount of stuff at this point. It's just I haven't seen like a whole lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Same. I've only seen like maybe like I can I can count on a single hand so far. <laughs> is essentially what's happened here. But she's very cute in this. She's very cute, very sweet. Sweet is younger, 2005 Hinata. But you are right, Patrick. She also has that a bit more of a mature tone when you get to meet her in 2017. Um, and it just... It just works out nicely. Again, I also love the comedic moments. Yeah, she does have some really good comedic Like jobs. with... With the misunderstanding. Where, okay, where Watson. the fuck did she get the detective gear? Where the fuck did she get the pipe? Where the fuck did the... Yeah, Takamichi asks, and, just like, don't question me, Watson. And it's, and it's, and it's, oh, yeah, to which I know neither of you would get this, but, like, that whole bit where, like, she puts on the detective pipe and she's like, I'm going to solve this in my grandfather's name is like a reference to uh, Kendaichi, which is okay. Um, I was wondering yeah, what the which, reference uh, was. Okay, yeah, which is yeah, which is another detective manga that has run like not as long as Detective Conan, but it's kind of like I guess Weekly Shonen's like equivalent to that. But it's very, very like a big thing in Japan. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have, yeah, I did see like the most recent version of it got that to go on Crunchyroll. Gotcha. I am at least familiar with the manga like the detective files of young Kindaichi, so. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess this um brings us up to the man of the hour. Oh boy, Takamichi. AJ Beckles as Takamichi. Um, which I do have to say um he was a little rough in the first episode or two, but he oh, finds yeah. his footing really quickly. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to disagree slightly. I mean, okay, I mean, I would say he was like maybe a little rough here or there, but I would actually say that out of the gate running, he was probably the best performance in the dub and just kind of really? like kept going from there. Interesting. Okay. I would say... Yeah, 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 for, yeah, because I feel like, at least for me, like up until like maybe my kid Duncan introduced, like he... Like, his performance kind of, like, definitely carries it out to the first couple of episodes, I think. Okay. Um, it, for me, it's hard to to tell because, like, this was before I watched Kimono Jihan. I had no fucking clue who AJ Beckles was. This is my first yeah, instance yeah, with it, him. Yeah, uh, yeah, admittedly, I actually was following him on Twitter for a while, like, before this, because, like... 
I, I like I saw him. Yeah, like I yeah, because I saw he was like an expiring. Uh, well, yeah, I saw he was like aspiring to be in anime for like a good while, and I knew that he, and I knew that he was like an associate of Zeno Robinson. So yeah, yeah. So I was following him for a while. So when I saw he got cast, I was like, oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, for me, it's like <laughs> I didn't know anything about AJ aside from the fact that he knows Zeno, and Zeno's just Zeno is like the biggest hype man, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, he's the biggest hype man, and it's the greatest thing because he's so fun and supportive of other people but i digress um that was the only thing i knew about aj was because he knew xeno right and so i'm like i know nothing about this guy i don't know what he sounds like i don't know a damn thing and then i hear him as takamichi and it's like i hate to be the comparison kind of person it sounded similar to some respect to johnny young bosch uh, a little, uh, a little, a little bit. bit. Okay, yeah, a little bit. But you know what? Who he is actually a dead ringer for, which is kind of funny because he put up a comparison video about himself. What? Uh, okay, Seth, uh, how familiar are you with Kingdom Hearts? None at all. Oh my god! Because I, because I, he I sounds Hearts because either. he sounds exactly like Jesse McCartney as Roxas. That's right. Hold on. Wait. Back the fuck up! Yes. When the, when the fuck did Jesse McCartney voice anything? What the fuck? Uh, Two thousand five. Yeah, 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 Jesse McCartney what? is it? Yeah, Jesse McCartney is Rockstar and Kim Martin. Oh yeah, Jesse McCartney actually has like a pretty decent amount of voice acting credits. Oh my god! I only know Jesse McCartney as the fucking singer. What the fuck? So yeah, now yeah, you know yeah, why yeah, we've yeah, been pushing you and Andrew to play. Kingdom Hearts after you're done with um, I the Somnium Files. Oh, it's gonna be a little bit before Kingdom Hearts gets touched. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's gonna be a minute. But holy shit! Wow. Okay. <laughs> now, now I'm actually curious. But no. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because it's funny. Like he put up a comparison video of himself and like legit, I could not tell which was him and which was Jesse McCartney. Holy shit! <laughs> you're gonna have to send that to me later because now I have to see this. Um. To, but to me, though, it sounded l like my comparison in my brain and what I equated to was Johnny Young Bosch because some of the similar um, tonal inflections that Johnny has, AJ also has. So, you know, I could, that's where the comparison for me comes from. Um, I but, actually kind of got some vibes of, like, Greg Ayers and Derek Snow out of him. Ooh. Oh, okay. I can kind of see that a little bit. Yeah. But for me, with AJ and Takamichi, I really liked it. I thought it was a little rough at the beginning, but I think it's a mix of a couple of factors. One, this is his first, like, lead in an anime. Two, it's the typical growing pains when you're starting out a show. And three, this is more me personally... The fact that I did not know who the fuck this person is. Yeah, that's fair. Like, like yeah, because I'm not used to... Like, AJ is the only one in this show, probably with the exception of um, John, who plays Akun. Yeah, John, who plays Akun. Where I never heard this person in my life. So I'm trying to figure out 
like wh- what this person sounds like, um, what their tone of voice is, how they portray the character. So it takes me a little bit of time to kind of see if I can get into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's a few different factors with me personally, like figuring out AJ as an actor. I think taking the major part of that. And I think it may have also just been a little bit of him trying to get into the character as well. No, 100%. Like, the normal growing pains. Because Lordy Takamichi is all over the place. Yeah. Uh. He goes from... He he can be a, a tough little shit, cocky little shit sometimes, to being this washout like rock bottom guy especially when you go to present day takamichi also to... not gonna lie there are moments where he's a bit of a weenie <laughs> he's very much a weenie <laughs> he, he can be a weenie there are most there are parts where he's very emotional he is referred to several times as the crybaby hero mostly by akun but he's referred to as the crybaby a yeah. lot because takamichi cries a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 like the whole weenie thing didn't bother me like too much most of the time. I think the only time it like maybe like actively bothered me was like during the bloody Halloween, like right when Monty died and he's like watching Mikey slugging out with Kagator. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, I mean, to be fair, Takamichi at that point thinks it's game over. <laughs> and then Baji just happens to have like this one last bit of energy to him and he's like shit okay <laughs> but um no yeah Takamichi Takamichi as a character goes through a, he goes through a lot of emotions but he also has the biggest character growth because oh absolutely he, he not only is trying to change the past to save the people he cares about in the future because initially it's Hinata but then he also grows to care about like Mikey and Draken and all these other characters he interacts with but he's also trying to change himself he's trying to quite literally have a redemption arc for himself in a way (laughs) because he's this washed out pathetic loser at the start of the show and by the end of at least this first season and with everything that he's done so far he's gained a little bit more confidence in himself he has um, accomplished quite a few goals (laughs) including being the first division captain for Tomon now Yeah, and he has actually gained the respect of several individuals, including Mikey and Rocket. Yeah, to which uh, this to which uh, this is more again. It's not like a serious complaint about the show. I guess it's just kind of like me thinking in terms of like, I guess uh, general compre- like general progression. I don't know in regards to maybe something else like I don't know like say Kingdom or something where. Is that where I know, like, like you know, uh, Takamichi's goal here is to, like, crime through the ranks at the top of Tomon. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping it was going to be, like, a little bit more of a gradual rise. Like, maybe instead of, like, you know, jumping immediately to, like, first division captain, he was, like, the vice captain or something. But, like, eh, I mean, like, 
I mean, it does. I mean, it definitely does make the twist at the end of the season work well. So, yeah. Like. Yeah. So, so, so I can't complain too much in that respect. It's kind of like, oh, I would have, you know, maybe liked it, but like maybe a slower. Yeah. Rise. I mean, it could also be potentially um, what could also be happening as well is the first season because I I tried to dig this up for a second because um, about the manga, the first season covers about eight or nine volumes of the manga. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's, well, that's not I mean, terrible. That's not, it's yeah, not I mean, terrible, uh, but that yeah, might I mean, mean there's more to it. You know what I mean? Okay, I mean, I mean, eight or nine volumes in twenty-four episodes is about right for a show about manga. So I don't think they were rushing anything. No, I mean, there could still just be more pieces that we don't know, and it could be just a little bit more gradual. Um, it makes me want to read the fucking manga now. That's for fucking sure. It may also just be the like there's a very tight timeline in which like. His his childhood gang arc can yeah. realistically go on for, so he may have just had to rush it. Yeah, because the arc about um, Takamichi with the childhood gang was very fast, just mostly in flashbacks, really. So it could that could be a piece that might have been dragged out a little bit more, so we can get a little bit more of a feel for Takamichi's character, um, as well as all the other people in the crew, including Akun, actually. Um, but no, like, Takamichi's quite literally trying to get himself a redemption arc throughout the yeah. course of this show. And you... I couldn't help but root for him, honestly. I couldn't help but root for him to try and change himself for the better. And... Just his interactions with all of these characters and the impact he has on these characters. He is compared to, by both Mikey and Baji, and Draken, I think, to be like Mikey's older brother who was killed. And Mikey really cares about his brother. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, if that doesn't have implications, I think, then I don't know what will. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So, I, I, it, Tama Takimichi is rather believable as this pathetic little loser <laughs> who just wants to better himself and try to save the people he's curious about. Because this is this is a show that's mostly set in 2005, and of course it's going to be really corny and cheesy at points. Because <laughs> of course it is. Um, but no, like, aside from I think Small Growing Pains and my personal, like, trying to figure out AJ Beckles as an actor, I think the performance for Takamichi works really well. It's not my favorite from the whole show, but I think it it's more because of the fact that I don't know AJ very well. Yeah. Um, and then comparing him to some of these other actors where these some of these other actors have really fantastic performances that are probably potentially some of my favorite of these actors in their actual careers, which says a lot. Um, and AJ's still a fresh face to me. So yeah, I'm still I mean, trying to figure it out. Honestly, yeah, a bit of that he sounded kind of rough at first could just very well be <clears throat> we don't... Neither you nor I had a baseline for him yet. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is it, yeah, I mean, admittedly, my only baseline for him prior to this was like the couple of episodes of Community and I saw... But... But I'm just saying that, like, from my perspective, at least for, like, the first couple of episodes, I thought his performance was, like, 
the strongest of the bunch, so I, yeah. that just kind of carries He does me. carry it, yeah. And I mean, I... It, yeah, so that's just kind of like, yeah, so that's just kind of like cemented him as like the um, definitive, I guess, performance in my mind, and I didn't change yeah. too much throughout the show, though I did like a lot of the, a lot of the ensemble. See, because I had the opposite, so I did Tokyo Avengers first, and I had watched at least the first half of the show, or what was available at the time when I watched it, and then I went to Kimono Jiken. So I had the reverse of you. Um, But I will say, between um, Takemichi and then Shiki in Kimono Jihan, I really do like him as Takemichi. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Um, So I'm very curious to know what's going to happen I also don't want the fact that I'm saying, oh yeah, he was rough the the first couple episodes to say, I didn't like his performance in the first couple episodes. I really did. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's an impeccable performance. He sounded good in uh, basically everything I heard. I've heard him in. He was pretty good at Kimono Jihan. He was good here. He was good in Shaman King. Like, I really want to see him in more stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I, haven't seen I can't wait to see where his career goes. Absolutely. I'm excited for him, man. Like, and he's the sweetest thing. <laughs> he was so nice when we talked to him at um, Anime NYC, too. Yeah, he's great. I feel bad I didn't get anything signed, but one, there was nothing available that I bought that I could, and then two, I was unemployed and broke as shit. Yeah, <laughs> I have a print somewhere. That uh, you got Takamichi, I think, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't even think the Jabin King casting was out at the time, otherwise oh, I would have yeah. had it like, maybe signed by Jabin King said. Yeah, but, that's right, because yeah. the, the re-release from Discotech happened, I think, at that time, but the new Shaman King dub wasn't a thing yet. No, so, no, so I, I can know it was, but I don't think it was up to where, like, Jocko was introduced. So I didn't oh, think I knew gotcha, gotcha. Who was playing him at the time. I'm not familiar with Shaman King, really, so. Sorry. <laughs> it was on my list to try and watch before Dubbies, but I never got to it. Just like I never got to seasons two and three of Kuroko. Whoops! Ah, but what if it's that one? I know! I'm aware. I didn't have time. Ah, uh, say lovey. Especially since I started the new job in January. Yeah. Anyway, AJ's great. Yeah. AJ's great. Aside from my personal trying to figure this person out, AJ's great. <laughs> I want to see like AJ he... more things. Like yeah, he he had a he ended up with a really strong foundation here, and oh, yeah. it, it absolutely showed. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and move us on to final thoughts. So who would like to go first? Um, I guess I'll go real quick. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I had a pretty fun time with Tokyo Avengers. I, I mean, in general, I do kind of like the whole delinquent aesthetic in like anime and manga and I feel like you don't get a lot of that these days, so that had me interested in this show in general. It turned out to be it turned out to be a lot of fun. The time travel plot is like a little wonky here and there, but it, but it's a pretty good time, and I like a lot of these characters. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and uh, the dub is pretty solid. Uh, it has some wonkiness here and there that kind of makes it sound like a mid two thousands dub in a sense, but that. Also, is kind of weirdly charming in its own way, and as I, and I definitely do like the majority of the performances here, and the ones that are really strong are really strong, so I can't complain too much there. 
Uh, all in all, it is a good time, and uh, it's a definitely a pretty solid show. I'm excited to see more of it. All right. Uh, what you got, Steph? Oh, boy. Um, so, weirdly enough, this is... Tokyo Revengers is a show I didn't expect to like as much as I do. Um, I actually... <laughs> the only reason I originally decided to watch this show was because of Alex Lee's Mikey and the shit in the clips I heard about it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna watch it. And then just the whole show... I, I 100% understand why people are obsessed with this to the point where people are like when is the manga gonna get physical releases and that whole debacle of the licensing that went on for months mm -hmm. um but <laughs> i completely understand like this is one of those shows that i do want to like start reading the manga for a hundred percent and that's rare for me like if a show makes me want to go like okay i need to read the manga now then you're done good um the show aside the dub I really, really like it. There are some some minor gripes here and there. And then you have some really fun, amazing performances that it's... Again, I can't pick a best boy. They're all good boys! Except for Kisaki. Kisaki can fucking die in a fire. <laughs> he can fucking die. Um, but that's also credit to the actor who voices him. Because, again, it's one of those situations. I want to punt him into the sun. You done good. Um, but I think this is definitely one of a very solid dub that has a lot of charm to it. Um, a lot of fun banter. And it's just has those moments of grit and, to an extent, some realism to it. That I think really make it stand out very well. And it has amazing performances that, again, I can't pick this, pick a favorite from. But I can say that they are probably some of my <coughs> favorite performances of certain actors' careers at this stage. Including one Mr. A.J. Beckles that, we, that I haven't heard much from, but want to see more from. So, overall, like, I 100% understand why people are obsessed with this fucking show. If you haven't seen this show or this dub yet, please do. It is it is a delight. Aside from the weird story plot elements, you're gonna love it. <laughs> fucking, again, fucking, why can't I go tell Hina that I can time travel? Bitch, he's not, <laughs> she's not gonna believe you. Then why'd you believe me? I was into the occult. Never brought up again. But no, it's it's a good, it's it's a fun time. You'll, you'll enjoy it. And I have to go read the manga now. <laughs> Like, that's going to be a fun investment. I'm going to be honest, like, this show was for, uh, front and center within my wheelhouse. And I'm surprised it took me until, like, right after Anime NYC in order to actually start it. Um, the dub is really, for all the gripes and nitpicks I have... Which are also relatively minor. Like, it is extremely solid. Um, very well written. Very well performed. Very well directed. Um, other than some of the, the double and triple casting. The casting was really solid. Um, 
it is a very raw and emotional show, and I did not expect that going in. Yeah. Um, I expected I expected it to be kind of jolly and goofy, and then just like absolute roughneck. But wow, um, it actually has quite a bit of emotional complexity to it. Um, there are admittedly elements that you should probably not think about too hard. But other than that, like, this is a very, very solid recommend. Um, and if you would like to check out Tokyo Revengers, it is available via Crunchyroll. Um, I think the subscription fee is, like, seven bucks a month. Um, you get, like, a two-week free, tri two free trial. Um, but you do have to put your credit card in, so if it's not your thing, you are going to have to cancel. Otherwise, you will get charged. As a side um, note, at the time of recording this, I don't know if this will change. How I watched it, it is still available on Verve. Okay, well, I think that's also... So you're probably going to get a little more bang for your buck with your Crunchyroll subscription, because yeah. Funimation is folding all of its content into it. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm a sad panda. We won't get into I'm that. I'm a little I'm a sentimental, sad. but yeah. Um, oh, it is also available via HBO Max. Oh, yeah, that's right. As yes. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, I think that's like 15 bucks a month, and then there's this, like an ad-supported one that's a little cheaper. So, yeah, that is where you can find that. Um, if you would like to find us... Um, you're probably either watching this via our YouTube feed or audio only. Um, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you can find us at youtube.com slash podcast, um, where we have a little more extra content than our audio only feed. Um, if you are watching this via YouTube, um, we do have the podcast available via, you know, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um... Mm -hmm. And we're also looking into additional avenues in which to post it. So keep an eye out on that. Get your dev talk on the go. Get it on your commute. Um, we also have a Twitter account where we mainly just... Um, we post our announcements and... We try to ask questions every now and again out of it to get some interaction going. Mm -hmm. um, we have a Tumblr, but that is dead. Yup. And we have a Twitch account, which um, the three of us on this episode do stream on it every, uh, a couple days a week. I know I have Saturday. Um, Jet is, I believe, Thursday? Yes. And then um, Steph and Andrew are Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, at the time of recording this, we're... <laughs> finally going to be streaming again on Sunday after my computer has been out of commission for a goddamn month, so we're excited about that. Andrew nice. is ready to finish Eye of the Somnium Files. He's been ready for a fucking month. He's itching to finish the game, finally. Yeah, in general... Ah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Uh, in general, we try to have a stream like every day except Friday, which is when the podcast goes live. Yep. Um, we try to be consistent about that. We're usually kind of we usually kind of have a little bit of a patchwork, but it is what it is. We do what we can. Also, if you miss any of our streams, 
Um, we do have our Dub Talk Gaming Archive channel where our VODs migrate to eventually. Yes. Um, yeah, that's Dub Talk Gaming, right? Correct. Like YouTube.com slash... There we go. Um, we... If you would like to give us a little bit of support, uh, we do have a Kofi account where you can give us like a one-time donation. Uh, and we also have a Patreon. And at the end of all of our episodes, we like to give a little bit of a shout-out toward those who have decided to contribute to the show. Uh, at our $5 tier, we have Julia W., Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with the Owians, and Victor Maiparota. At our $10 tier, we have Anthony Brown, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you guys. We genuinely appreciate the support and we strive to create the best podcast episodes we can conceivably get out to you. Um, so if you would like to see what we are up to, um, why don't you guys give yourself a basic plug? Uh, sure, I am Jet. You can usually uh, find me on uh, the Twitter, at the Videga, where I will uh, usually uh, be talking about uh, animation-related news or world news or just uh, whatever is going on, I guess. Uh, you can, and you can also find me on another podcast, Podcast ODA, where uh, usually we're talking about anime news alongside fellow Dub Talk host Andrew. All right, um, Steph, where can we find you? Oh boy, um, my name is Steph, um, sometimes known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with the review being spelled R E V U E. I have a blog, Life and Times to Talk at WordPress.com, that has been gathering dust, and I need to do something at some point um yeah that's about it uh, aside from previously mentioned i do some streaming on twitch sometimes that's about it <laughs> right i've been busy with work yeah all right so i am patrick aka roots of justice you can find me on the twitter.com at roots of justice mainly retweet cute animal pics talk general fandom it's a good time you should come pay me a visit um um, and I've got a Patrick's Cool Thing of the Day for ya. Um, Is it bad that I just <laughs> thought of a theme song in my head for that now? <laughs> Patrick's Cool Thing of the Day. <laughs> um, so generally, I try to avoid music with my Patrick's Cool Thing of the Day, because I don't want to muscle in on Amon's territory with this dusty song. Um, so instead of a song, I'm going to go with an entire album. Okay. Um, it is one that I have been... I kind of bought it on a whim, and then... Like, it has just been a frequent... Put the record on. And just... If I need background noise, there it is. Um, it is from a group called... Um, Desert Sands Feel Warm at Night. And the Ooh, album okay. is called... Um, New... Uh, New World Pioneer, I think, is what it's called. Hmm. Um, it's it's basically like slush wave. It it sounds a lot like mall lobby music, but it's just absolutely soothing. 
All right. And with that, I think this episode is a wrap. Okay, okay. We need to do... I'm sorry, Patrick. I'm not letting go of the fact that I lost a fucking Ramshambeau. I'm still salty. I'm still salty, so I think I need a fucking rematch. So, Rochambeau to close the episode? Fuck yeah! Rochambeau. Rochambeau. Fuck! (laughs) (laughs) I fucking quit. I'm going home. I've been cheating at Rochambeau. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking asshole. (laughs) Um, Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, You all have a wonderful evening. And otaku on there, Deva. Bye, have a good night. And click.